Greetings, Retreat Church. So good to bring the Word of the Lord to you again today. And I pray that you are, like me, very thankful that there is opportunity to say that we're sorry, right? There are people in this world that are gracious and merciful, and when we make mistakes, when we do stupid things, when we um, offend one another and we hurt one another, that there's this thing, there's this thing called forgiveness, there's this thing called repentance, there's this opportunity that we have that when we make mistakes and we do things on purpose that are wrong and we um, hurt people that are in our lives, there's this opportunity to come to them and there's this opportunity to say that we're sorry, there's this opportunity to change, there's this opportunity to redirect relationships and a life course and God gives us these opportunities because he himself is merciful and gracious and he is working in the lives of people all over the world to create this space within us to be forgiving. And I'm very thankful for that today. I'm very thankful that um, if I make a mistake in my life and the mistakes that I have made in the past and when I've done things purposely wrong, I knew they were wrong and I just selfishly did them anyway, that people in my life have forgiven me and they've given me some space to grow and they've given me some space to mature and to move forward in my relationship with God. And I think that as we live in this, this culture today that um, in, in, in many ways is being characterized as a cancel culture, right? I mean, you, you do 10 good things, you live you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years doing well, and then all of a sudden you, you, you do something that people don't approve of, you do something wrong, you do a, make a huge mistake, and all of a sudden you're, you're fired, you know? you're, you're done, um, you're unfriended, you lose your career, um, you lose relationships. Um, and so there's that going on, but there's also, even though there is that characteristic in our culture today, there is a lot of room for forgiveness, that we that follow Christ have a God who gives us this opportunity to repent, this opportunity to change, this opportunity to be fighting against Him and arguing with Him, but then by His grace and mercy, we see the need to turn around, and there's that opportunity. And you know, as we have celebrated this last week, um, Veterans Day, and you think of all the men and women that have served our country, and you think about the election and the turmoil that we're part of, but yet those men and women that have served kind of because they sacrificed so much, I have to say it this way, I, I don't, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to say it this way, that these men and women that have served so much and given their lives for our country have have created such a free space, such a, um, an open space that people, um, that, that people almost are, are free to, to, to be stupid, to be idiotic, to say things, you know, that, that they shouldn't. And, and um, we live in such a, a country that, that allows that. Um, I don't think that's what men and women had in mind as they were serving um, as past generations gave their lives and, and the current generation of military is, is serving. I don't think that their goal is to create a place where you could be um, a, a moron um, and, I, and I can be a moron. Um, I don't think that that's, that's their goal in mind. And so when we think about the freedom that we have, when we think about what has been given to us, um, let's be very careful that we're not abusing what's been given to us by our veterans and the people that have, that have served, that, that we're not taking 
um, sure, we, we have free speech and, and freedom of expression and, and do these things, but let's not take those freedoms and abuse um, the people that have, that have so um, sacrificially given us that right. Um, but even in that, you know, um, as, we, as we're freedom to do this, we, we come back around and, and maybe you've been acting in such a way, say it like this, that, that perhaps you should say that you're sorry to a veteran. Maybe you've abused the freedom that they've given you. And, and you know, those men and women that serve in that capacity are, are pretty gracious people. They've, they've sacrificed, you know, much of their life to give you and I what we have. And, and maybe there's opportunity for some, some repentance there. And, you know, we're also celebrating this Thanksgiving season where um, we are thankful for our veterans, where we are thankful for our country, where we are thankful um, for the people that are around us, where we're thankful to God for His mercy and His kindness to us. And in that spirit of looking at, we just, um, you know, this election is ongoing, I guess it's not over, but um, the election is ongoing and the, the process of that and the turmoil of that, um, but yet we're very thankful at the same time for um, our military and the veterans, and we're in this season of giving thanks. And with all that package together, I, I went and I I pulled up Abraham Lincoln's 1863 Thanksgiving Proclamation, and and I and I read through that. And and you know, um, of course, we've all read through that in, in school and those times. And but you know what? Over a period of years, that I you know neglected to pay attention to that. Sadly, to to my own um, detriment. I read that and I, I came across the portion where Abraham Lincoln calls us to repentance. And notice, as I read a portion of that to you today, um, notice the tone of Abraham Lincoln is very important, I think, to what I want to talk to you about today. Abraham Lincoln writes this in 1863. He says, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience. Commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, and sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and, ver and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to fulfill to full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. Now, as you know, they were in the middle of the Civil War when Abraham Lincoln wrote this proclamation. And he called what they were experiencing as a nation, he called it perverseness and disobedience. Wow, what an amazing thought when you put yourself back in that place in the middle of civil war and then a president coming out and saying that we need to repent and seek God 
and we need to repent from our perverseness and our disobedience. What an amazing call. But remember, this repentance was part of a, a, a proclamation that called us to be thankful. So when we are thankful for God, when we think about God's mercy and God's grace, and we think about our own perverseness and disobedience, being thankful for God's mercy should prompt us to repent, to, should prompt us to seek forgiveness. And in fact, many, many years before President Lincoln wrote this address, Paul the Apostle wrote the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, we read these words, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So what I want to talk to you guys about today is this idea that that we are to thank God for His kindness which leads to repentance. So as we think about our veterans, we think about the turmoil of our country, we think about um, the season of Thanksgiving and moving into Christmas in just a few short weeks, that we would thank God for His kindness which leads us to repentance. So how, how do we do that? First, I believe that if we dive a little deeper and a little wider into the book of Romans, we see that we can be thankful yet not hypocritical. I think this is very important. Look at what Paul says in verses 1 through 5 of, the, of chapter 2 of the book of Romans. He says, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment one on one another, you condemn yourself because... The because the judge, but practicing, I'm going to start over, I, I really messed that up. <laughs> Therefore, you have no excuse, O oh man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things, do you suppose, O oh man, that you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because your hand, excuse me, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of judgment when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Now the context of chapter 2, of course, is chapter 1, where Paul the Apostle has started his letter to the Romans by saying that God's wrath is going to be poured out on a world who is a world that is filled with people who have rejected truth and accepted lies. And then we move into chapter 2, and he starts talking about this hip, 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 hypocrisy um, within people, that as the, we live in a context where people are exchanging truth for lies, then there are people that are coming along and judging those for doing that, yet they themselves are doing the same thing. Now notice that this passage of Scripture is not telling us that we are not to judge. That's not this passage. When you look at... Um, this passage that the problem is hypocrisy you see because those that look at the bible and read and go oh we're not supposed to judge that is a blind reading of the scriptures 
That is a pulling out of phrases and words and ascribing meaning to them that the Bible does not ascribe. And the problem in the Bible when we talk about judgment is the judgment followed by doing the same thing or judgmentalism and being judgmental about everything and hypercritical about everything. But we cannot live a life without making judgments. In fact, millions and millions and millions and millions of people made judgments on November 3rd. They cast votes for things. They made a judgment between presidential candidates. They made judgments between propositions and measures and other, a lot of other races that were taking place. Every ballot that was cast on November 3rd contained people's judgments. And they were right to do so. And we're, as Americans, we are given that right. We are given that right by our veterans who have served and has created our nation to a place where we can cast a vote. We can make a judgment. We can cast a vote. But the problem comes when we are hypocritical within this and making judgments on people saying, I'm not going to vote for this person, but then we go do the same thing. Or I'm going to vote against this measure, but I'm going to go do the same thing. Or be hypercritical of the people that view these types of things differently, yet we're acting in the same way. So the problem when we start looking at Romans chapter 2 is this idea of exchanging truth for a lie, then condemning people for doing that and doing it ourselves. So the issue here, if we're truly going to be thankful for the fact that God allows us to repent and his kindness motivates us to be repentant and seek, th- and, and seek forgiveness, that what we must do in that case, if we are truly thankful for our own ability to come to God and say that we're sorry, if we see the kindness of God as opportunity to repent, then we won't run around judging and condemning other people for doing the very same things that we ourselves have done. We will remove hypocrisy. So if we are truly thankful that God has allowed us to repent and seek forgiveness, then we will put away hypocrisy and judge in a judgmental spirit. We also see in the book of Titus something that I believe is very, very important, and that is this. That is to be thankful, remembering that you and I were once lost in our sin. So when we are thinking about the kindness of God, we're thinking about all of our veterans that have served, we're thinking about the judgments that we have made in casting our votes and doing these things, and, and we're trying to enter a season where we're trying to be thankful people, expressing thanksgiving to the multitudes and to the people around us. I believe that wherever you have landed today, I'm praying that it's a better place than it was last year. I'm praying that you are more mature, that you're more wise in, in your application of God's truth and the way that you live your life. I pray that each and every one of you have better relationships this year than you did last year. That each one of you are better at your jobs this year than you were last year. That if you're a student, that you're a better student this year than you were last year. That you're a better friend than you, this year than you were last year because you've lived out this opportunity of saying you're sorry and you've gotten better. You've repented, you've improved, you've matured. However, as we continue to mature, part of that maturity is understanding where we've come from. And notice in Titus chapter 3, I want to move through this um, in a few different ways. First of all, I want to look at verses 1 through 3 and make notice of the fact that our actions towards our authorities is shaped by remembering that we were once lost in our sin. So notice what 
Paul writes here to Titus. He says this, remind them, in other words, you have Paul, the older pastor, speaking to Titus, the young pastor, telling Titus what to, rem- what to remind his church of. He says this, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Boy, if there isn't a passage for today, and this is really hard, isn't it? Because when you look at the Bible and you read these types of passages, I know what happens to most of us, including myself. We think about those other times in Scripture, primarily in the book of Acts, where the disciples of Jesus, um, in other ways, acted in what we would call today as civil disobedience. How they were told to no longer preach in the name of Jesus, yet they did so anyway. They were told no longer to gather in, the, in that name and to do things in that name, but they did that anyway. So there was this space in, in where there was civil disobedience, where there was a time where we had to say no to those in authority and yes to the things of God. And so there were those times. So when you read your Bible as a whole and you start looking around, you see passages like this. And you see passages like I've just described. And so we today, as trying to be biblical Christians and move in a direction that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus and is submissive to the scriptures that we read, we really have to do a good job in discerning when is it that where and where is it that that line where we say, I must obey God and in my obedience of God, I must disobey you. Well, I know that it's wherever that line is. I know that it involves the preaching of the gospel. I know that I must do that. You and I must do that. Um, We must gather together as God's people, God's church, God's family. And maybe there's some other things in there too. But I know that those things at least. But I also see in this passage that there is never a time There is never a time in the Bible where we are given permission to be rude and condescending. There is never a time in the Scripture where we are allowed to or called um, to be condemning and to be um, mean-spirited and and to do those things. There's never a time for that. So whether we are in a space and being asked to do things by our, our leaders and governing officials that we would tend to disagree with, but yet there's not a space for us really to be civilly disobedient. We have to do it in the way that is prescribed in this passage, and that is to be, speak evil of no one, avoid the meaningless quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy to all people. There's always a space for that. You see that in the lives of the apostles as they were walking in civil disobedience and as they were continuing to preach the gospel, even though they were called to, they weren't rude. They, they weren't um, abusive. They just respectfully, quietly went about their business of fulfilling their call from God. They didn't try to stir up strife. They didn't try to promote division. They didn't do all. They just went about their business as proclaimers 
of the gospel. We also see in verses 4 through 7 that goodness and loving kindness of God provides salvation. Here's that, that theme again. Notice starting in verse 4. But when the goodness of, and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing and regeneration of the, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So what happened, verse 4, what showed up? Goodness and loving kindness showed up in the person of Jesus. And he poured out his grace and his mercy on us. And he allowed us to repent. And he allowed us to seek forgiveness. He allowed us to begin to follow him when we were once, as verse 3 calls us, disobedient and foolish and led astray and slaves to various passions and pleasures. When we were in the middle of that mess, goodness showed up. And loving kindness showed up. A judgmental, harsh device of spirit didn't show up. And so where people are mistaken and people are, are living in verse 3, where people are foolish and disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, when you encounter people like that in your family, when you encounter people like that in your own culture, you have to remember that before you were a Christian, you were the same thing. And you may, even as you continue to follow Christ today, there might be parts of your life, and there probably is parts of your life that are still stuck in verse 3. But God comes to you in graciousness. He comes to you in kindness and in goodness and in mercy. And that is the same way that we are to approach people in our day. So as we live our day and we naturally and rightfully so, so make judgment calls on who we will and will not allow our children to spend time with, what we will and will not allow into our families and into our homes. We make judgments all the time, who we will and who we will not vote for, what propositions and things we will support and, and things that we just cannot support at all. We must always do these things knowing that when Jesus showed up to us in our mess, he did so with goodness and loving kindness. And there's also this portion in verses 8 through 11 that say that we should be devoted to good works, not division. Notice what, he, what Paul writes to Titus to remind his church of starting in verse 8. This is a trustworthy saying and I want you to insist on these things so that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid, notice verse 9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once or even twice, have nothing more to do with him knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. What a powerful passage this is. That as the church of Jesus Christ, as we are so thankful that God has allowed us to repent, that God has allowed us to find mercy and kindness and goodness. He's allowed us to say we're sorry and to seek forgiveness. And that as people, we are doing that for one another, that we are creating space in our life for people to say that they're sorry. And that other people in our lives are, are creating the same space for us to say we're sorry. Because we need to remove the hypocrisy from our own self um, and, and from our judgmental spirits. We need to be thankful remembering that we too 
we're lost. And I believe that as we do this, I believe that you and I, together as people of God, that we can lead people to repentance through good works and a thankful heart. I believe that you can do that. I believe you can be a person that is dedicated to doing good works and being thankful. And as people start to notice you and people start to see how the good works that you're doing in your life and people begin to see how thankful you are, that they'll want to be a part of that because you'll become attractive because we live in a world that is just continually complaining and dividing and canceling and being angry that when they find someone in you that is committed to good with a thankful heart, God is going to draw people to you and draw people to himself through you. And we as a church, may we be a church that displays the kindness of God, the kindness of God in light of, catch this, in light of the wrath of God. See, it's not an easy or either or thing. We understand that the reason why the kindness of God and the mercy of God is so amazing, why we look and say, Lord, thank you for allowing me to repent. Thank you for allowing me and showing me kindness and goodness and allowing me to change direction in my life. The reason why that is so amazing is because the Bible teaches of a time when God will judge and God will cleanse all of creation of sin And God will pour his wrath out upon sin. And because we believe that God pours his wrath out upon sin, that he has opened a door through Jesus Christ for us to move in a direction of repentance and reconciliation, that we will not be part of that wrath. That the wrath of God will not be poured out upon us. And because we understand that God is a wrathful God, we are so thankful that he has shown us kindness and goodness through Jesus Christ. And we can be those kind of people that we understand that the Bible teaches that God will one day do away with all sin. God will condemn all sin. And we believe that God has opened a door for us to receive grace and mercy because we are very good at being very foolish. May you be thankful today May you be thankful that there is opportunity for each and every one of you, and me included, to say we're sorry. That there's room and there's mercy and there's grace available for us to repent. And so wherever you are today, whatever struggle is, we believe that God can handle that for you. We believe that God will forgive you and cleanse you and move you in a brand new direction in life. And if you want to do that today, then I pray that you would contact us at our website at theretreatchurch.com or you go to a friend. I'm sure each and every one of you that's listening or watching, I'm sure you all, each and every one of you know a Christian. Go find that Christian. Do whatever it takes to get a hold of that Christian and ask them to lead you in prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We love you. God bless you. We believe God's doing great things. We'll see you next time.